Ronananian. You know, yesterday, a gentleman comes into the shop, and he wants to talk about his car that, in order to get it to start, he has to sometimes open and close the driver's door. The Car Doctor. You can't be emotional fixing a car. You've just got to look at it and go, okay, what can't it be? And then I'll know what it can be. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Taking your calls and answering your questions at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 on, all the time phone number. We're uh, looking forward to your calls each and every week. We really are. So just give a call if you're not able to call us or if you're in a market that maybe you're, or maybe you're taking the show by podcast and, um, you know, you're taking it on delayed broadcast in an outside market. Uh, no problem. Just call 855-560-9900. Leave a message, and Tom Ray will call you back and get you in line up for the next live show. And, yeah, we know some of you hate to get up or you're nervous to get up here on radio and talk about it, but you know what? I'll be gentle. I can absolutely promise you in 27 years of doing radio, I haven't lost anybody yet. Nobody's ever fainted. Nobody's ever uh, jumped out the window. And I'm just trying to educate everybody with questions and answers. So uh, hopefully your question will help educate someone else as well. Mr. Ray has a comment. I just wanted to say, if when anybody wants to get who's nervous about getting on the uh, phone and talking to you, um, forget about the radio aspect. You're talking to your best buddy. You're talking about the guy who knows cars, and just get on and have a car chat. That's that uh, excellent analogy, Tom. And that's that's all this is. This is just about you know we're just a couple of uh, guys or a guy and a gal or whatever it is, and we're just sitting around talking about cars and um, you know just 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 solving the problem. That's that's all we're here for. It's uh, no egos here, just fact, as uh, as I like to say. How long should a car part last? Did you ever think about that? You know, how long should it last? Or more appropriately, how much do you trust your mechanic? Do you really trust them? Have you ever been in that scenario where, well, let me ask you the question this way. You're listening to this show. Maybe you're listening to this show a good long time. If I was your mechanic, and I kind of think I am, I'm your your weekend mechanic, right? And um, we sit here and we talk about cars all the time, you and I. You trust me, right? I mean, you've got to. You keep coming back for more. Either that or you're just looking for entertainment value and you're thinking, what a dope this guy is. It's, it's got to be one end of the spectrum or the other. There's no in between. So how much do you trust your mechanic? And do you take what they say as, as gospel? 2006, Nissan Frontier came into the shop at Ari Automotive this past week. I talked about this car last weekend. I wonder how Walt from Maui made out trying to do the timing chain on his daughter's Quest. Hopefully he, he turned it over to a pro. And I had to do a timing chain on this Frontier. I had to do a timing chain, tensioners, reseal the front cover. And, and you know, I had a lot of engines apart in my life. But the problem becomes engines today have gotten very unforgiving. All right? One wrong move, one slip of the wrench, one, one missed cue, one misplaced bolt. And all of a sudden, you've got this big pile of scrap sitting in front of you that 
is, you know, in comparison to a 72 Chevelle, just so much more difficult to get in and out of that engine bay, as it obviously has changed over the past 50 years. And you just don't want to have any mistakes. No, 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 no screw-ups allowed. So Nissan Frontier had to do a timing chain. The timing chains were howling. The guides had worn down to a nub. And it sounded like a supercharger, which, by the way, if you're driving a V6 Nissan, and it, it sounds like a supercharger under the hood. Best analogy I could give you is if it sounds like you're driving behind a, a city bus, which has a supercharger on it, and it's got that whine to it, you may need timing chain tensioners, or I'm sorry, timing chain guides, chains, and tensioners, the whole shebang. That's what it turns into. And that's what I had to do to this Nissan. And it's, it's I always think of it as... You know, it's as delicate as trying to do open heart surgery. Except now the guy's the guy's not uh, you know under anesthetic. He's awake and he's he's talking to you. So I did this timing chain. It was I've done it before. I you know disconnect the battery, bring it around the top, chains off, cover off. I'm sorry, cover off, chains off, tensioners off, change the guides, chain back on, and so forth. I go through the drill. Just you know, go this way, go that way. Get rid of your parts. Line it up the top. No bent valves. You know, no problems car goes back together fires right up no problem and the charging light is on you know like and i'm looking at it i'm going but the charge light is on what um let's see what did i do did i disconnect something no i never have to i i I take the 14 and the 12 out of the alternator i slide it over to the side it just sort of lays there in the frame cradle and you, you pick it up when you're done and you bolt it back in place you hook the battery up and you're done you're good to go the charge light was on. And eh, the bulb's got to be defective. There's got to be a problem here. Like, huh? What's the number one rule, gang? Right? Fix the car that's in front of you. Quit your complaining. Got out the voltmeter. It's showing battery voltage, 12.2 and sinking. It's, it's dropping fast. I know the car is running off the battery. But wait a minute. And, you know, the little kid in me is going, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All we did was disconnect the battery and take apart the timing chain. But the adult in me is going... Well, you know, let's, let's, because parts only last until they don't. And maybe that's what happened here. And what about the customer? The customer's going to be, it doesn't matter what the customer is. You know, we got to deal with reality. And, and that's what I mean when I say it can't be emotional. All right. Now, fortunately, I'm in a position after doing this 40 plus years, I, I can honestly say, I don't think I don't work for anybody that doesn't realize what we're about. I'm in that spot, and I'm very grateful, and I thank God every day that he kind of put me there, and, you know, it's it's, it's a good place to be. So I have a very good relationship with the greater majority of my customers, and the ones that I don't, they tend to go away, and that's okay because there seems to be always another person willing to jump in the seat. So I diagnose it out, and, you know, I've got power on the pink-red. I've got, I've got power on the light blue. I've got power on the heavy battery feed coming down i've got a bad alternator and you know there's that little kid again going but why but why how could that be because because is a great word in auto repair all right it really is you know why did the car do that because you know it's just it just ends the conversation right there and then you can look for the details later on so i next day i came back in it was late in the day i stayed late monday night it was actually past midnight when i was done I stayed very late Monday night. I almost stayed till Tuesday on Monday. So, and, um, you know, got to that point where took it back apart, pulled the alternator out, looked at the wiring again. Nothing was unplugged. It's got to be an alternator. Took the alternator out, put it on the bench, flipped it over, 
and I'm not going to name names, but yeah, it was a reman alternator that looked like it had been in there for quite a while. And it was funny. There was a sticker on the bottom of the alternator that said, charging problems? Call one eight five five. And I'm thinking, maybe I should call these guys and tell them what a piece of junk they made. But, you know, it was about three years old, and that's what I see out of some of the poorer quality electrical stuff out there, if you get that far. And I put in a nice Hitachi OE alternator and started it up, and the light went out. And the moral to the story is, you know how long parts last? Until they don't. And that's what I've been saying to you for years, right? It's, you know, my dead dog that wasn't dead yesterday died today. I was coming home last night. I went to, I stopped in downtown Ramsey. If you're ever in Ramsey, New Jersey, and you're looking for good barbecue, um, what was it? Bobcats Texas Barbecue on Main Street in Ramsey. Oh, my God. All right, you walk in the door, it smells so much like hickory, you want to get your clothes dry clean there so you can walk around smelling it all day long in your shirts. All right, nicest bunch of guys, had some great barbecue. I'm driving back, and I'm watching my cell phone in the cup holder of the truck. For some reason, it's starting to reboot. You know, I'm thinking this is not going to end well, right? It just, just, just doesn't look like it's going to be a good thing. And I'm watching my cell phone boot over and over and over Finally, it comes up in safe mode. Gee, why did it come up in safe mode? I can diagnose this. Let me turn it off and see what it see what it does again. I turn it off, and it starts going through the cycle again. And I finally got it to come back up, long story short, by putting it in the freezer. All right? I froze my cell phone because that lowers the temperature of the electronics, and it changes things. And sure enough, after that, I got it to boot up, and I was able to do a backup, and now I'm waiting for the new phone. The point becomes, all right, How long do things last until they don't? And it just happens. And that's the way auto repair is. You know, you're doing this open heart surgery at this end of the vehicle. And the only coincidence is that it's attached to the rest of the vehicle that you're working on. And another part fails. Did it fail because the battery was disconnected? Because when I unbolted it, I moved it a little to the left. I I don't know. I just think it was its time. You know, it's it's. It's like all of us. When God says it's over, it's over. Game out, game ends, right? And told the customer, he said, what are you going to do? He got it, and we move on. And it made me stop to think, how many of you would accept that? And a lot of you would probably tell me, well, the reason I don't accept it is because I don't trust my mechanic, which brings me back to the first part of this conversation where we started. If you don't trust your mechanic, why are you there? And it's it's got to be based on that. You know, auto repair is a relationship. I've said this for so long, I, could, I, I say it in my sleep probably, all right? Life is a relationship. Auto repair is a relationship. You, what you have with your doctor is a relationship. You never judge it by when things are going well. It's a lot like marriage. You never judge it when things are going well and, you, you know, oh, everything's wonderful and the flowers smell fresh and you're on your honeymoon and life is great. You judge it by when something bad happens, when it's on the rocks. You judge it by what happens and how well does that other person handle it and do they work to work with you and meet it to your satisfaction and vice versa. That's a relationship. I told Gordon Gordon the alternator died. I really don't know why. Look, it's, it's, it's about three and a half, four years old, maybe three. I'm not really sure, judging by the date code here. Depends on when it was installed. But it needs an alternator. What do you want to do? He said, put in the best you got. Gordon gets it. And I'm wondering if you get it. And that's where I'm going to leave it as we kick off this hour of the car, Doctor. Do you get it? 
Do you trust your mechanic? And do you understand that parts only last until they don't last anymore? 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor rolling along this hour at 855-560-9900. By the way, this hour, Tom, what are we doing this hour? We're giving away, is it this hour or next hour? We're giving away a $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. What are we doing that? Um, I don't know yet. Depends okay. on... Um the decision of the judges is final. That's a, yeah, that's right. It depends, Tony depends and Tom. on the call. Depends on the topic. Depends on Tony. You know. All right. So, it's, but it's a twenty-five dollar gift card to O'Reilly Auto Parts. That's true. More, yes. More information at O'ReillyAuto.com. Okay. Well, let's. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, we're going to have to do it soon because Tony's already been looking at O'Reilly's site. He he needs something for his car. Yeah. You know, like an engine. Um, let's go over and talk to. Let's go over and talk to Lance in Queens, New York, 05 Hyundai Santa Fe, and some uh, questions about headlights and other stuff. Lance, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for waiting. Um, it's wife's, wife's truck. Um, passenger side headlight it, it works, but it's dim. Okay. Um, I'm thinking possible ground problem. Ground. I mean, this is you know this is basic electricity or should be. So we're going to use a voltmeter. Do we have do we have 12 volts on the feed and do we have a good ground? And one of the ways I would clearly want to check the ground is if you have a if you have good 12 volts. Um, why can't I just plug in? I have a test headlamp in the shop. I also have a I also have a load simulator. But the cheapest thing for the do-it-yourselfer is just go out and buy an old square or round headlamp. Remember the old school square around headlamps, and just just use that. Right. It's a great load device that puts anywhere from six to eight amps uh, load on the circuit. If that's a bad ground, it'll still be dim, and then at least you know it's not the light itself. All right. Um, Can I also run, just temporarily just to see if it is a ground run a wire from the ground side of the bulb to the chassis and if it lights up fully i know it no that's it yes but before i did that i'd want to see a wiring diagram lens just to make sure there's no computer involvement there probably isn't but i've seen so many different things over the years that i i i want to see just what the manufacturer is doing on any vehicle before i start to arbitrarily rewire it so to speak okay. so get your hands on a wiring diagram and yeah if they're just showing straight run the ground ground is ground it doesn't matter okay all right. My Se- other question is this. Question. this is a little more, a little more challenging. Okay. Um, the last four times when we filled up the car, didn't matter if the car was totally empty, or three quarters of the way, or whatever. If we, doesn't matter if we filled it up all the way or filled it up halfway. Go to start the car. The car is hard to start. I have to hold my foot down on the gas pedal. I'll get it to get it to catch. I'll rev it a few times. Um, it'll only stall out one or two times. Then it will catch and it will go on. Once that happens, it, the entire tank of gas it will run perfectly. First, start first, first time every time. Okay. Until I refill it. All right. Any dashboard warning lights on? Any check engine light? Anything like that? No. I borrowed a, a scan a scan tool from a buddy of mine. Uh, no codes. No pending codes. Okay. Go over to the lift the hood. Go over to the passenger side of the engine. There's right. go, there's going to be a purge valve, the evaporative canister purge solenoid. They have okay. a they have a nasty habit of sticking. There's going to be a there's going to be a two wire connector and a two line vacuum harness going into this. It's just behind the valve cover on the passenger side, just behind the oil fill cap. You'll see the you'll see the okay. strut tower, the oil fill cap, and then the purge valve sits just behind that um, against the back of the cylinder head. Disconnect it on the vacuum side. One of those is going to be a direct vacuum feed to the intake manifold. Figure right. out figure out which one it is and plug it. All right. Drive the car. See if the problem goes away. If it is, the canister purge valve is sticking. Very common. Very, very common. 
All right. You can you can go through and you know you can you can do some powers and grounds and see if see if the you know if the if the solenoid sticks so on and so forth. But you know the number one hard start on a Hyundai that generation was a purge solenoid that stuck open, and um, you know with with the engine at idle, you'll you'll see that all the fuel and vapor is being drawn in that way instead of uh, you know by normal means through the engine itself. You may even find that you may find residue of gasoline in the purge hose because it's actually drawing fuel up out of the tank. Yeah, like I said, it only happens when you fill it. Once, right. it's, once you fill it, start it, and get it running, that's it. It's fine. Right. Well, it, ha- it has to do with um, Hyundai's programming for how it will run the purge valve and you know shutting it off it can trigger it. So on startup, it's going to draw in fumes up to a certain point. The problem is okay. the valve the valve sticks open once it gets past a certain level of vacuum, and it just continues to draw. And it just it's just like a big siphon in a gas can. It's just drawing extra fuel. That's why stepping on the pedal, you have to put the pedal all the way to the floor as if it was an older car with a carburetor and the choke was stuck and it's flooded, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's you're just drawing extra fuel, and that purge solenoid is the issue. Okay. Very common. Just very common. Would not would not be surprised. I would be surprised if it's not that. I mean, it's always possible. Um, but like I said, you can check there for powers and grounds, too. But if I'm not mistaken, it's a fairly cheap part. And if it's 12 years old, like what are they, 05? Uh, yeah, it's 12 years old at this point. Right. You know, change it. If, 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 if disconnecting it solves it, then you're in the right area. You just got to make sure you got power and ground. And if you do, it's a bad purge solenoid. Okay, great. All right, kiddo. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Lance. Um, yeah, I mean, just just quick and basic, down and dirty diagnostics. Sometimes that's um, sometimes that's all it is. I just want to do this quick PC. I've been trying to do this email for two months now. From Rich in Lansing, Michigan, he wants to know what percentage of regular oil to synthetic constitutes a synthetic blend. He also says he's using mobile religiously, but he also wants to know about Pennzoil. Can I elaborate on that a little bit? And um, you know. So, yeah, I can. As a matter of fact, I will as soon as the car doctor returns right after this, 855-560-9900. Ron and Eating, the car doctor. Don't go away. The Car Doctor here. By the way, get out to the Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We're, we're answering some uh, questions as well as uh, watching that every day. But I got to tell you, Facebook has changed a little bit. It's a little bit confusing where the messages and the photos and the videos appear. And um, so be patient. You're dealing with, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just not able to keep up with how fast Facebook changes their technology around. So, but yeah, we are on Facebook out on uh, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. So uh, we're taking questions there as well. We're going to answer some of those right here on the show today. Yes, the sir. The problem is you're ancient. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm old. Um, but you know what? I'm a good mechanic. I can usually figure it out. Okay. That's gonna, the, I'll tell you what. After you take the computer apart, I'll come back in and put it back together so it works. Right. And then I'll make sure I know how to turn it on so they can actually use it. So let's go back to the question. Richard from Lansing, Michigan wrote, he had some questions about percentage of regular synthetic, what constitutes a synthetic blend. And then he's also talking about how he uses mobile, but he also hears me talking about Pennzoil, and he wants to know my thoughts on that. Richard, and for everybody else out there, I'm not sure what the percentage is. I've heard I've heard upwards of 40% in some blends or types of oil. I've also heard 60%. The issue comes back to, you know, why would you use a synthetic blend? And this is just my way of thinking. 
All right. I think synthetic blend was created as a marketing device to draw people towards a better grade of oil that couldn't necessarily afford synthetic, but wanted to be a step above conventional. I get that. And maybe it's got its place in the marketplace, but I'd be curious to see how and what, if any of the numbers have grown in the last 10 years, because personally, I think it's either conventional or synthetic. I don't stock synthetic blend. I don't use synthetic blend. Uh, you know what? Again, depending upon what part of the country you're in and, and, and you know what's your budget. But I look at it this way. If if a quart of synthetic is going to cost you a dollar and a half more per quart, and it's four quarts, it's an extra six bucks, that extra six bucks, go to Starbucks one less time, all right? Go to, and, and you'll get that much better protection for the car. It's just that important. Difference between mobile and Pennzoil from this mechanic size, um, I pour them both. All right. Uh, we pour Pennzoil on a higher volume basis because more people seem to want it. But I can tell you that one of the concerns I have with Mobile One is of late in the last couple of years, I've noticed the Mobile One coming out of the engines darker. I don't know if that means it's scrubbing away and doing a better job of cleaning, or I don't know if that means that it's not doing as good a job of taking care of what it's supposed to do when it's breaking down. I, I, I can't tell you which way that goes. Why Pennzoil? Because I still look at the way oil is made. And Pennzoil, their base stock is a natural gas derivative. They start from a cleaner base stock of oil. It's, it's sort of like mom made chicken soup if she started with a, with, from a fresh chicken carcass and she started with a purer base stock, she made better soup. Pennzoil starts with a better base stock. They make better soup. They make better oil as a result of that. Their oil is cleaner to begin with. Less impurities means better oil as time goes on. I also look at the engineering. And I'm sure there's a lot of oil companies out there that have great engineers. I think Pennzoils are right there with them. All right? You're buying the engineering that makes the oil, not just the oil. And you've got to realize that, too. So, yeah, Pennzoil, natural gas oil, Pennzoil Synthetics. Find out more at PennzoilSynthetics.com, but definitely worth taking a look at. And I hope that answers your question for you, Richard. Thanks. I very much appreciate it. Let's go over to Rogan, Bangor, Maine, 2010 Chevy Aveo and a burning oil issue. Rogan, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hi, uh, I was calling in uh, a friend who, um, her name is Bill Rotolo, uh, had gotten some help from you in years past and recommended you. Okay, great. Let's see what I can do for you. Well, okay, so the issue has been, I uh, just bought this in a personal sale um, a couple months ago or so, and it had presented with the problem maybe a month and a half ago, and over the last three weeks, it's burned about a quart of oil off, but it's not puddling when it's sitting overnight in any meaningful way. Right. So to me, to my mind, that means that there's an internal burn somewhere, but I'm just not really that familiar with the actual inner workings of the engine. So I was just, and the thing that I'm trying to understand is it will burn really badly after it's been sitting for a long time, like three or more hours. But if I'm doing short trips, like if I go to Walmart and then I go over to another store, it will stop burning in between those times. Okay. When you say burning, you're you're gauging that based on you're, you're seeing smoke out the tailpipe, Rogan? Actually, not out the tailpipe. I thought, first off, it was something with the catalytic converter because this car has a front-end catalytic converter and a rear-end catalytic converter. Okay. And... Right where that converter, and it's a converter manifold piece, 
where where that meets with the flex pipe, right. it was it was smoking out of that joint. And so I thought, well, maybe the converter shot. And so I checked that, and that seemed fine. And well, so it's, but wait a minute. So so it's got an exhaust leak at that flange. Yeah. Okay. So it's got an exhaust leak at that flange, and you're seeing it smoke there, all right? Or you're seeing something there, but you're never seeing anything out the tailpipe. Not anything other than just clear exhaust, and it has a decent pressure coming out of that tailpipe. Okay. How much oil are you going through? A quart and what, 500 miles? Uh... Probably a little bit closer to six, but yeah, something like that. Okay, so we're burning a quart and five six hundred miles, and it, it seems to be predicated on how long the car sits. Uh, you know, and I'm questioning: Are you seeing blue smoke, white smoke, black smoke, gray smoke? What color smoke are you getting out of that flange when it starts to leak? It, it's gray. It's gray. So you know, is it is it is it oil? Probably. Does it matter? Not really. Uh, you know, why is it there versus coming out the tailpipe? I don't have that answer, um, and frankly, I don't care. Um, I would be more concerned why there's an exhaust leak there and look more towards fixing that if I was interested in anything, because my concern becomes that an exhaust leak forward, it sounds like it's closer to the cabin. And, you know, we, we can talk about exhaust asphyxiation because of an exhaust leak so close to the cabin. There's cases where it's drawn in either through the heater and winter's coming um, or driving with a window down. And, you know, there's there's reported cases of people getting drowsy and dopey and passing out behind the wheel because they sort of gas themselves. Um, you know, it kind of depends on how bad the leak is, but just just be aware of it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's 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 not something to just say, ah, it's just smoke and I'm not worried about it. But, you know, you have to and only you can tell that because y- you know how bad the leak is. Where's the oil going? How many miles are on this? Uh, it just hit 100,000. Okay. So one of the key requisites that I would be curious about is, do you have any service records on this car? Unfortunately, I don't. I know it's been in in one accident, minor superficial damage on the front end, but that's all I know as far as, like, regular maintenance and all that. Okay. So what's possible, we got to talk in terms of possible and probabilities here, Rogan, because there's no real way to know. More, More than likely, this has an oil ring or a, or a piston ring problem, okay, from what you're describing. You know, if this was a valve guide issue or a, a wear issue up in the cylinder head, it would be more likely that the leak would occur all the time. But the fact that it's there sometimes based on temperature, sometimes based on how you drive it, um, is generally showing relationship to pressure on the crankcase, how much load's on the engine, Where's your foot? Is your foot through the headlight or is your foot, you know, halfway? Or are you just cruising along under, you know, normal power? It's based on load on the engine, too. So okay. it would be impractical at this point, eight years old, 100,000 miles, to say, ah, just take the engine apart and just check pistons and rings, re-ring the motor. You ready to put three grand in the car? Probably not. Not really. Right? That's why I paid for it. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, that's sort of the catch. So we've got to try and create a miracle. And one of the ways we're going to try and do that is we're going to try and unstick uh, sticky rings by using a better grade of oil, not knowing what they used, and just driving the car and just going under the assumption that, you know what, it's cheaper to throw a quart of oil in it every 500 miles sometimes than fixing the car. Quart of oil, five bucks, you know, um, take the engine out, 
2500 you know you start to weigh that in your head and you go okay maybe this is maybe this is what i've got to do for the next couple of years in, in order to get by so i would get very picky about oil this is a conversation yeah. about general motors has gotten very very picky about oil like a lot of the car companies i want to make sure it's something dexos rated um, obviously i'm going to tell you go take a look at pennzoil pennzoilsynthetics.com and see what they've got. And um, uh, one of the things, here's a case of Pennzoil. Pennzoil motor oil has some very unique properties in that it will help scrub away contaminant and varnish better than most out there. And I have seen cases where continued use of Pennzoil can promote, you know, it's, it's got a great scrubbing action to it as one, of its, as one of its characteristics, and it will help scrub away varnish and contaminant and make a cleaner engine over time. All right. Is it going to happen overnight? No, sir. Um, can I guarantee you absolutely that it's definitely going to happen? No, sir. But as long as you've got to put oil in this car, you might as well go with the best. And you know what? If it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, at least you were trying. And we all feel good about that, right? Um, you know where you know where I'm coming from. Oh yeah, definitely. I just one follow-up question to yeah. that. I mean, that's pretty much what I had been going along with, and that was what I was going to do. Just kind of, you know hopefully that that would do what is your take on additives to oil so something that claims to be able to help seal up leaks in the engine internally what do you what are your stance on that if i was general motors if i was standing here as gm my official position is i approve no additives for the crankcase and gm okay. gm has more than a few bulletins out there that reference just that all right if I was the guy trying to get by on the $3,000 car and make it last as long as I possibly could, I'd, I'd probably give it a shot. I mean, honest answer. I'd, I'd, I'd probably yeah. do my best to just just to see what will it do, all right, um, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm taking some risk and there's some potential for problems. So, but um, anyway, that's where it is. Hey, you know what, Rogan? Tom just gave me the high sign. We're going to send you out that O'Reilly Auto Parts $25 gift card. Good at any O'Reilly Auto Parts at O'ReillyAuto.com. It'll help you buy some of that Pennzoil oil that we're talking about and maybe some of those additives that you want, and maybe that helps put your car on the on the path towards a better future, and uh, we hope everything works out for you. Stay on the line while Tom gets your information, and you can look forward to that $25 gift card from the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Warren and the Car Doctor. I'll be good to you, too, if you just give us a call at 855-560-9900. Let's talk about your car problem. Hey, Ron, once a tire has a plug in it, can that plug be removed and a more permanent patch be installed? Thanks, Joe Fallis. Um, you know, Joe, that's a great question. i got to tell you, 43 years of fixing cars, 27 of them on radio. Nobody's ever asked me that question. And I thought about this for a while before I answered it. And the answer has to come back to, it depends on how that plug was installed. Now, I'm going on the assumption that the reason you put that temporary tire plug in was because maybe you were on the road and you picked up a nail and you just, you know, you had to put something in there temporarily to get to where you got to be and then get it permanently fixed. But if the tire plug, if the temp plug was put in because it's in a bad spot, it's on the outer edges of the tire, Putting a permanent patch in there doesn't matter. It doesn't help you at that point in the game. So the answer is, yes, it can be removed, provided that the exterior surfaces of the hull don't have debris and material stuck to them. 
because now, for example, the temporary plugs that we use self-vulcanize. They melt into the rubber, and removal can really be persnickety, uh, which is the high-tech college word for what a pain in the butt. All right? So if the plug can be removed and the material of the plug also removed from the hole and then it can be reamed, yes, then I see no reason why that tire can't be patched again. Again, it depends on whose plug, whose glue, how well did it vulcanize, and what plug patch are you putting in it, because there's only uh, there's only a few, in my opinion, legit good ones on the marketplace today. So, But um, that's the way it works for me. And do I still believe in temp plugs, Joe? You know, between you and me? Yeah, I do. I still use them from time to time. I'm not happy because of it. Um, but if it's the you know a case where I'm stuck on the side of the road or I'm going to have to throw away a perfectly good tire, I will cheat and use a temp plug on a short term basis, just to get it to the point where I can replace it. So, you know, it does happen. That's real world. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Indian the car doctor. Let's uh, finish up the email pile. Um, and in reference to some of the emails we've had this uh, this hour and uh, some of the conversations we've had, you know, when we talk about Pennzoil, you want to take a look at and consider Pennzoil Ultra Platinum, their best. All right. The Pennzoil Ultra Platinum is their best oil. More information at PennzoilSynthetics.com. So here's a here's an email from a caller. A caller took uh, I took his car to a dealer. I took my car to a dealer for an oil change. He's heard bad things about bulk oil. Asked the dealership what brand of oil they used and was told very curtly that it was approved by the manufacturer, that the conversation has ended. My thoughts. Um, yeah, my thoughts are, what are they hiding? All right, you know what? Um, you've got to judge a repair shop by their intention. And I say it all day long, all right? It's 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 not when things are going ba- good, that's how you judge it. You judge by how things are going bad, and right off the bat, they can't even handle an oil change and a couple of questions about what they're doing. There's no law written. There's no law written, to my knowledge, that requires a repair shop to use correct oil. The proof would be in the pudding. It would be common sense. Uh, you know what? In 15, 20, 10,000 miles later, whatever it is, when the engine fails, prove that it was the wrong oil. Prove that the oil was the cause of the engine failure. So a lot of auto repair, you know what? It's like being a good Boy Scout, all right? It's you got to be a good scout. you got to do the right thing. And you know, best example I can give you of a dealership using the wrong oil, years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago, Volkswagen. Volkswagen writes a very specific spec, VW502. For their oils, and either get 502 or 504, depending upon what it is, you have to use very specific oils, and it's very expensive. And one day a customer asked me, they said, how come your oil changes $120 at the time, 10, 12 years ago, for this particular Volkswagen, and the dealership's doing it for $69.95? And I said, gee, I don't know. I said, let's take a look at that. When I called up the parts department where I purchased parts from to work on Volkswagens, the parts guy said, I'll tell you the secret. I said, what's that? He goes, we're using the wrong oil. And I said, how can that be? You're the VW dealer. And he said, because nobody ever checks. And he goes, the oil we're using works. It gets the car through till it's out of warranty. And then we don't have to worry about it. It's somebody else's problem. But we're keeping the customer and making the money. Uh, you know what? A repair shop, I don't care who they are, is only as good as their intention. And it's only as good as the people inside. So if you've got your mechanic answering questions about oil and you don't like the answer, find another mechanic, and it's as simple as that. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless.